Welcome to Voices from the Cathedral, a podcast that brings you sermons from the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. On Sunday, October 4th, the Feast of St. Francis, the Right Reverend Andrew M. L. Dicci preached on the seeming contradiction between St. Francis's love of animals and his love of poverty. It is a great joy to be with all of you today for this annual celebration of St. Francis Day here at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. Uh, To say the least, this celebration is quite different than what happens in ordinary years. Uh, Along with Easter and Christmas and the great uh, feasts of the church, St. Francis Day has become for our cathedral one of those grand and glorious moments in our common life. Uh, when we raise up the very, very best that we are and that we have uh, before God in celebration of this incredible, wonderful saint and of the uh, natural order and the creation in which we live. This year, it's all happening in accord with uh, the cathedral's COVID year practices, and that means that we are remote and virtual this year. And uh, we all long to be back in person with each other, and especially we look forward to uh, we hope next year being able to be back in the cathedral for uh, this event. In any case, uh, it's a privilege as your bishop uh, to be able to be with you today and with uh, the dean of the cathedral and cathedral clergy uh, for this uh, worship. The, our regular observance of St. Francis Day uh, is such a feast. The first time that I attended the St. Francis Day service in our cathedral was in 2001, and I've never missed one since. And uh, my wife wasn't with me, and I went home later that day, and she said, tell me what it was like. And I said, well, it's sort of a combination of um, high Anglo-Catholic prayer book worship and new agey kind of celebration and the circus. And it is kind of all of those things. It is a celebration of all of God's creation. And we do that with dance and singing and colors and music and movement and dogs barking and the celebration of the sacrament at the altar. But what we all look forward to before we come and what we remember after we go home and the thing that gets the greatest public attention is the gathering of the animals a mixture of domestic animals and wild animals. Maybe they're not truly wild, but they're wild to us. Uh, eagles and, uh, uh, and snakes and bumblebees and, and things and that we don't domesticate and keep in our houses. And we do all of that uh, in, uh, to celebrate along with uh, St. Francis, uh, the, the living members of God's creation, the animals that surround us and that fill our world. And we do this in all times, and sometimes that means we have to do it under extraordinarily different circumstances or difficult circumstances, which you could say today is like that. Uh, But again, the first time, the first St. Francis service I attended was on October 7th, 2001. That was three weeks after the attack on the World Trade Center. And uh, we went through the service, and it was glorious. And uh, then we had the parade of animals. And then before the animals began to process out of the cathedral, Mark Sisk, who was at that time the new bishop, stopped and he said, we need to tell you that while we have been worshiping here this morning, our country has begun bombing in Afghanistan. And he made that announcement and then went immediately into the blessing of St. Clair that concludes our St. Francis liturgy and said, go in peace. Your creator loves you. 
And processing back out of the cathedral, down that long, 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 long aisle, uh, among all those people, um, I found myself terribly moved. And so many people were crying uh, or caught in that moment of tears. Uh, as we found ourselves in, in that space that happens between war and peace, uh, between loveliness and ugliness, between blessing and curse. Uh, we had just had a chance to celebrate these beautiful, beautiful animals, all of them innocence, innocence in God's creation, and then be confronted with war and violence and the sinfulness of people. It was an opportunity for all of us, if we took that opportunity, to think about St. Francis and to think about the changes and chances of a world in which he lived and in which we live at a deeper place than we normally go. An opportunity for us to consider anew, not only how to be a lover of St. Francis, but also, and more than that, a Christian, a lover of Jesus in a broken world, but without being overwhelmed by it. Now, I love the parade of animals on St. Francis Day, and since I've been bishop, I get that privilege, which I uh, uh, very much treasure, uh, to lay my hands on them in blessing at the end of the service and to feel their softness or their roughness. You know, we have bunnies in that parade and nothing in the world, it turns out, is as soft as a bunny and horses whose hides and, and, uh, and, and hair is, is rough to the touch, uh, to feel the musculature of their movement under my hand. St. Francis loved the parade of animals that moves constantly and everywhere and forever over the earth. And we get to celebrate that with him on St. Francis Day in our cathedral. But there is more to St. Francis than that he was the saint who talked to the animals and walked with the animals, uh, the saint who is easy to love, uh, around whom we attach so much sentiment, and who it seems really offers us very little challenge uh, in, in who he is for us. But there is so much more to him than that. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, and some of it's maybe hard to hear, and come back to the St. Francis that we love, uh, who stands in the garden uh, with the birds and, and, uh, and the animals. The reading that we have today from Galatians are actually the final four verses of Paul's letter. And he says this, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one make trouble for me, for I carry the marks of Jesus branded on my body. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Like St. Paul, the writer of that letter, Francis found the identification of his own soul and life in the cross and in the crucified Christ. His resonance with the cross was so absolute that for the last two years of his life, his hands oozed blood in the miraculous gift of stigmata, he was given by God the honor of bearing in a quite literal way the nail piercings of Christ. I confess that I don't fully understand the phenomenon of stigmata. In the world of mental health and mental illness, most stigmata that comes before the eyes of doctors is self-inflicted. 
as a person's own desire to conform their body to Christ's suffering. But there is no suggestion that Francis's stigmata was anything else but a miracle, however wondrous or confusing. And though Paul's letter to the Galatians was written a millennium earlier, these words of crucifixion passion, I carry the marks of Jesus branded on my body, can help us to understand a bit more about the saint, but a bit more about God too. Certainly it is the case that just like Jesus, Francis made the positive conscious decisions, a young man born into privilege to cast away from himself every worldly comfort and voluntarily to choose and embrace the poverty of the world and the poverty of poor people as his own. And just like Jesus, to accept the suffering which a broken and sinful world will always impose on those who have nothing, those, as we would say, at the margins, and to bear those sufferings as his own. This is not just solidarity with the poor, as we sometimes say. It is more, it is almost a transfiguration of the man and his God. As St. Paul said, a new creation is everything. And in the broken, suffering St. Francis, lying on the floor of his cave, hands oozing or streaming the blood of Christ, his body racked and ruined and starved by the privations he imposed upon himself, his final earthly act being to beg pardon of his body after he had abused it so badly and starved it in its poverty, to then more fully bind himself to worldly poverty and want. It is in that broken saint that we can see the new creation, or we can see what St. Francis would say to us, this is the new creation, which is my crucified self with my Lord. And we can see that if we can stand not to look away. It is a mystery to me that the absolute identification with the cross and the voluntary torture that comes with that and certainly came to Francis with that would please God and would move God to impose that branding on the supplicant's body of the marks of Christ's broken and tortured body, but there you have it. We can say, we can say nothing about St. Francis if we will not speak of his love of the cross and his love of poverty, his suffering freely sought and accepted, and of the seeming approval of both the desire and the suffering by God. It sometimes seems to us as if there are two St. Francis's and that it is difficult or unwelcome to talk about both at the same time. There is the gentle companion of animals. We see him in the statues that are in our gardens with a lamb by his side and a bird in the crook of his arm. There is the gentle companion of animals and the innocence of the world. There is also the hard and uncompromising stigmatized one crucified with Christ. And yet for Francis himself, there is no contradiction in this. How could it commend a person to love the birds of the air and not the hungry poor children of the world, or to name the sun brother and the moon sister, but not those who labor by day or night under those lights, or to love the wolf and walk with the wolf, but give allowance and excuse for the rich wolves of our cities who prey upon the poor and the needful. St. Francis loved the creation <clears throat> because he first loved the creator and he bound himself to the lowest among us 
because they too are, as the birds and the jackals, part of God's beautiful creation, unique and ever precious expressions and explosions in themselves of God's glory. If we can see the fullness of St. Francis in all aspects of who he was before God in this abundant and contradictory and mystical self-offering, we may find that we will be made able, more able, to love the natural and created order and all the birds and animals which fill it more fully, and made able to love the people of the world and all the little ones within it, their faces and bodies pressed to the ground more fully, and to love God too with greater integrity and passion more fully, and love the cross in marvelous new wonders and love and what Jesus did there and what Francis did there too. These are the contradictions that we bring to St. Francis Day. These are the contradictions in the saint. And all of that together is what we raise up in our hearts and spirits in worship and prayer, and what we raise up before the altar of our Lord. But today, on St. Francis Day, is also the day of our annual ecological fair, of the raising up again as a church the imperatives placed before us in our care of the creation in the world. It is our environmental moment. But the beginning of the true picture of climate change fell upon us this year uh, in ways more powerful than has happened in the past. We have talked about climate change for years and suddenly the reality of it is all over us. Uh, as we come on this day of environmental attention. Uh, my sister's house in California is inside the perimeter of the Creek Fire. Uh, we think it hasn't burned down, but we don't know. Millions of acres in the West have burned up this year, and multiple hurricanes have flooded the Gulf Coast. We learn that some whole species of birds and animals native to small regional ecosystems in the western forests, may have been driven finally into extinction in the last months. Rain falls too heavily in some places and not at all in others. Our minds and hearts turn to those who have lost homes and lives and the economic costs of disaster and the suffering imposed on so many people. But as we consider Francis today and the suffering he took upon himself, it may be that there is more which can command our attention and which can help us as we step before this creation, broken and suffering, and before the creator. I have a book, I still have it. I bought it 46 years ago uh, when I was a young man. Uh, it is called Should Trees Have Standing? And the book comprises a legal brief uh, uh, proposing or expounding the idea that trees themselves have rights, that trees can go to court and pursue their rights, quite apart from our use of them, our taking of the wood, our enjoyment of the shade, or our veneration of their majesty. The idea that trees have rights of their own, quite apart from people, and whatever we think about trees, or need from trees. Bought that book a long time ago, but the idea is growing again, that trees have the right to stand tall, that rivers have the right to flow, that plains have the right to explode with grasses and flowers, and that these rights can be defended, not because we need the wood, we need the shade, uh, we need the water, uh, 
or, uh, or, or the flowers, um, because it has nothing to do with what we need or want. But the trees, the rivers, the plains have rights. That the use we make of the natural world and all that we project upon it in devotion or dominion must stand second to the right of that which exists to keep on existing. I want to hold up today this one vision. And that is of Francis lying in weakness in his cave, beginning to approach his death, broken by his devotion to his Lord, streaming with blood, choosing the suffering and the poverty and the loss, that he might truly and honestly belong among the suffering and the poor and the lost, and that of all those broken and battered by an impassive and violent world, the trees and the rivers and the plains and the mountains and the oceans too were there in the cave with him. And that by his pains and his cries, he gave voice to the scars upon the earth and the waste of the good things of creation and the groaning of an overburdened world and lifted the suffering of everything that is in the world to God's eyes and the cries of every creature, the birds and the lambs and the wolves, yes, but also the rocks and the dirt and the trees, raising the cries of everything to God's ears. We might say these things and celebrate them, the glory and the suffering, the beautiful and the ugly, the redeemed and the sinful, as we stand before the crucified Christ hanging over the altar of this great cathedral. And again, when we reach out with tentative fingers to touch the parade of animals as they pass by, we may say these things in both places. And when we do, we will come a little bit closer to the mind and the heart of the beautiful St. Francis. Amen. Thanks for listening to Voices from the Cathedral. The Cathedral of St. John the Divine is the Cathedral of the Episcopal Diocese of New York. It is chartered as a house of prayer for all people and a unifying center of intellectual light and leadership. People from many faiths and communities gather here to worship together, provide meals for the hungry, educate our youth, and host concerts, exhibitions, performances, and civic gatherings. You can find us online at stjohndivine.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at stjohndivineNYC. That's S-T-J-O-H-N-N-Y-C. Check back soon for another episode.